0: Today is March 27th. Welcome to Loving the Word, an audio Bible podcast. I'm Reggie. It is great to be here with you today. Hope your day is going swell so far. Um, I'm going to open today's podcast reading um, a little bit of an article I came across about the, the importance of reading the books of the Old Testament, like uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, and those books are called the Torah in, uh, in you know, within the Israelite community. Um, so this just kind of explains to to all of us a little bit of why it's important to read these books, even though they're. It just seems like a bunch of laws and lots of monotonous stuff, Um, but I came across this really good article. Um, It says, it's on thesabbathlife.com. It says, the book of Leviticus belongs to a section of books called the Torah or the books of Moses. The word Torah means law, but it also communicates wisdom or instructions. So we can think of these books as an owner's manual for how to be human beings as God intended. These are the first five books found in the Bible. The arc of the story through these books, Creation, Fall, Abraham, Moses, Promised Land, is foundational to not only the rest of the story of the Old Testament, but also the story in the New Testament. What kind of God, God is like, is being established in these books, and Leviticus plays a part in this bigger whole. Genesis tells the stories about the original family tree of Israel. Exodus is about a group of slaves rescued by God and how God comes to live right there in the midst. Leviticus is like the instruction manual for what Israel does now that the creator of the universe lives like a next-door neighbor. Numbers is an anthology of stories of the 40 years in the wilderness and Deuteronomy retells and repackages the whole story in anticipation of God fulfilling his promise to Abraham. Perhaps one way of approaching Leviticus is to think of user experience design. UX is all about designing the process that a customer interfaces with a product. Think about the computer or device you might be on right now, the keyboard, the mouse, the touch screen, the cursor, and pointer on the screen. All of these have to do with how do you want to how you do what you want to do on your computer or phone. Two big questions underneath Leviticus are how do unholy human beings approach and interact with a holy divine being? What processes does God provide to heal the brokenness of being human in the world because of the presence of sin and death in the world? Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationships within ourselves are broken. Our relationships with one another are broken. Our relationship with God's creation is also broken. Leviticus, really, the whole Torah and all of Scripture is about God working to heal all these broken relationships. Because of this, Leviticus is a book all about worship. It's about how God wants us to order our world with God at the center. This is a powerful message in our Western consumer, entertainment-focused world, where worship has come to mean the music performed at our spiritually-themed sing-and-speak gatherings. But Leviticus radically reminds us that worship is about a holistic rearranging of our 24-7 lives around a pattern that God establishes. When Jesus gets quizzed by religious experts about what he thinks is the greatest commandment, he responds You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Right here, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. There's an art to the way the writers put the Hebrew text together. This is long before the internet and the printing press. They wrote not for a reading audience, but rather for a speaking, listening, and memorizing audience. Here in the middle book of the Torah, in the middle chapter, in the middle verse, is the statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, reordering our lives around God involves opening our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our very lives to our neighbors, our fellow human beings in closest proximity to us. The center of God's law is love. It's the bullseye in the middle. It's the lens through which we are to see all the other seemingly obscure commands and statements we find in the New Old Testament. Not only is Leviticus a book about worship. It's also a book about love. So I just. When I read that. It just really actually clarified a lot for me. Um, and it. It's kind of encouraging. You know. When, when you go through the these books. Like Leviticus and Numbers. Um, like I said. It might seem like lots of meaningless stuff. Laws and everything. That doesn't pertain to us today. But. It's it's really reading the story of how God was establishing a relationship with his people, um, you know, before we could have this personal relationship because of the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And so that, that concludes that. And then now... We will be starting Leviticus chapter 15 verse 1 through 16 verse 28. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Any man who has a bodily discharge is ceremonially unclean. This defilement is caused by his discharge. Whether the discharge continues or stops, In either case, the man is unclean. Any bed on which the man with the discharge lies and anything on which he sits will be ceremonially unclean. So if you touch the man's bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If you sit where the man with the discharge has sat, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch the man with a discharge, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man spits on you, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Any saddle blanket on which the man rides will be ceremonially unclean. If you touch anything that was under the man, you will be unclean until evening. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man touches you without first rinsing his hands, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Any clay pot the man touches must be broken. And any wooden utensil he touches must be rinsed with water. When the man with the discharge is healed, he must count off seven days for the period of purification. Then he must wash his clothes and bathe himself in fresh water, and he will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, he must get two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle and give his offerings to the priest. The priest will offer one bird for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the man before the Lord for his discharge. Whenever a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his entire body in water, and he will remain ceremonially unclean until the next evening. Any clothing or leather with semen on it must be washed in water, and it will remain unclean until evening. After a man and a woman have sexual intercourse, they must each bathe in water, and they will remain unclean until the next evening. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. If any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed or any other object she has sat on, you will be unclean until evening if you touch it. If a man has sexual intercourse with her, and her blood touches him, her menstrual impurity will be transmitted to him. He will remain unclean for seven days, and any bed on which he lies will be unclean. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean, as during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Any bed she lies on and any object she sits on during that time will be unclean, just as during her normal menstrual period. If any of you touch these things, you will be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. When the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days. Then she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons and present them to the priests at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremonial impurity caused by her bleeding. This is how you will guard the people of Israel from ceremonially uncleanness. Otherwise, they would die. For their impurity would defile my tabernacle that stands among them. These are the instructions for dealing with anyone who has a bodily discharge a man who is unclean because of an emission of semen, or a woman during her menstrual period. It applies to any man or woman who has a bodily discharge, and to a man who has sexual intercourse with a woman who is ceremonially unclean. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons, who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him the Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully, He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are his sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats, for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. After he has slaughtered the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence he will put the incense on the burning coals so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, tip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover he must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. There he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process he will purify the most holy place and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. Then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bowl and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar. In this way, he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place, and the tabernacle and the altar he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in his sacred place, put on his regular garments, and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness of Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Then he may return to the camp. The bull and the goat presented as sin offerings, whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony, will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. I'm almost, okay? Almost done. Mark, chapter 7, verses 1-23. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he says, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the words of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said. And try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes out from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd. And his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Psalm, chapter 40, 11-17 Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and be put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Aha! We've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great! As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts you are my helper and my savior O my god do not delay proverbs chapter 10 verses 13 and 14 wise words come from the lips of people with understanding but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod wise people treasure knowledge but the babbling of a fool invites disaster this concludes our reading for today dear heavenly father we thank you for a new day we thank you for all your blessings that this day brings we even thank you for the the challenging times we might go through today help us to stand strong through troubling times and stand on your word and hold fast to you, Jesus. Father, I pray that that the testing of our faith would develop perseverance within us us, and that perseverance would develop character and character would develop patience. Father God, may, may you continue to develop the fruits of the Spirit within our lives. I ask for your peace to guide each, each listener today. Be with them and their families and grant them salvation and joy and peace and fill them and surround them with your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining me today. It is a joy, honor, and a privilege to spend this time with you each and every day. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Go in peace, and I will be waiting for you here tomorrow.